0: As we celebrate this Father's Day, I want to remind you of one thing, that we are living in the United States where we're suffering from what's called, the United States is experiencing what's called the Father Absence Crisis. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, the, abs- the Father Absence Crisis. And let me give you a little bit of statistics. In the United States alone, there are 18.4 million children, one out of four without a biological step or adoptive father at home. And the research shows, shows that when the child is raised in a father absent home, they're affected in following ways. For example, the child who rose was raised without a father, he is four times likely to experience poverty. He is more likely to have behavior problems. There's twice greater risk of of infant mortality. He or she is more likely to go to prison. He's more likely to commit crime. A girl who grew up without a father is seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. More likely to face abuse and neglect. This child is more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Child is two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school. And there are many more statistics that are well wide known. This is the reality of being raised without a father. But at the same time, we understand that the greater problem that our human, any American, most of the Americans, and even any people throughout the world, that they suffer from fatherlessness... That is not from their physical father, but from their spiritual father, the heavenly father. The blessings that we Christians are experiencing being children of God, they're just innumerable. they are no statistics for that. Because what we have, because of the love of our father, is everything. It is worth living because we have the father who gave us the son. And I want to take you to a text today, which is recorded in the first epistle of John. Apostle John calls us beloved children. And there's a passage in chapter 3, and we will cover first three verses of this, where we'll look, we'll look specifically at the love of the Father. We will look how delighting in the love of the Father enables us to walk In righteousness if you are here who is eager to walk in holiness if you're eager to walk in obedience and obey his commandments to love other people the first thing that God is calling you to do is to delight in the love of the father and we will talk about what that means we'll talk about how it's related to abidance in Christ things like that, but I want to take you there, and as you make your way there, I want to give you a little bit of a historical context. Apostle John, he was the last alive apostle. If the epistle was written about 90 AD, Apostle John was an old man. He was the last living man in the region of Ephesus, and he was serving as the apostle with all of this authority to the churches around Ephesus. And During this time, just as Paul predicted and he prophesied, within the Ephesian church, there rose false apostles or false teachers. Apostle John calls them little antichrists. And they taught many things. They taught some false doctrine that later formulated and was where this Gnosticism was established in the second century. But some of the things, and if I may give you a couple of examples, That these people came and they said, you know, Jesus' physical body was not real, but only seemed to be physical. And this is where John goes on and he starts with the fact that, no, he was real. We have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. Jesus Christ was absolutely real in the physical body. Now, some people, these false prophets that they have taught that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. In fact, he's not the Christ. If you can see it in chapter 2, 23, whoever denies the Son of God does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. These people have crept in and they were teaching that Jesus Christ is not the Son. But what John would writes and what is revealed to us that these false prophets as they were within the church they started to lose their fellowship with the believers because they were teaching some false prophecy and they began to get out of the church and this is where john writes that they were among us that they are not with us they were not of us they were not like us in fact these people were not believers they are false prophets they are antichrist so they're outside of the church and they're continuing to influence the church with their teaching, false teaching. And this is what John responds with this message. He gives the purpose of the letter. If you can look with me in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, What I have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, We desire to continue the true deep fellowship with you, church, And our fellowship is true and genuine with the Father and His Son. And later on, Apostle John continues and he gives us ways that the Christian man or Christian woman can grow in this fellowship. How can they enjoy and have their joy be made complete in this fellowship with the Father and the Son? He takes us through some examples he tells us the person in order to have this fellowship you have to live a life of recognizing your own sinfulness and continuously confessing your sin and repenting before the lord another way that he would say is that for you to enjoy this fellowship with the father and his son you are to abide in his commandments abide in christ Another way he says, you are to love your brother. If you don't love your brother, then the love of God does not abide in you. You have not learned the love of God. So he gives this stark comparison because the clarity between these false teachers and those who are intimidating the church and bringing this false gospel and the Christians has been very clear. In fact, because John speaks so much about love, we can only assume that these people were not loving people. These people were probably punishing and um, separating themselves from the true Christians because their doctrine was not accepted by the true Christians. But John writes with a purpose to strengthen the faith of these Christians. He wants them to be, have stronger assurance of their salvation. John says, listen, there were people who have influenced and they have taught this and that, but you, you have accepted the truth. And I call you to continue to abide in the truth, continue to abide in Christ, and enjoy the fellowship that you have with us and with God the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So that is the gist of the whole epistle, as you can see. Now, I want to make it clear, a little bit closer to our passage, And I want us to read chapter 2 from verse 28 down to chapter 3, verse 10. And I invite you to read with me. Here John writes, Now little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we're children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself, just as he's pure. That's where our text ends. Verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he's born of God. By this, the children of God, and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Huge difference. The sons of God and the sons of the devil are so obvious that one practices righteousness and the other one does not. He continues to sin. And one loves and the other one does not. So you may be sitting here, Christian, and you may say, well, I obviously... I believe I'm a Christian I want to love and I want to live a righteous life I want to live up to my calling and my question is how do I do that what I believe is that Apostle John answers that question within the first three verses of this chapter take a look with me beginning in verse 27 he affirms that these Christians they're a true Christian. They're born-again Christian. He says, As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no one else need for anyone to teach you. He says, The Holy Spirit is within you, and you know that you are his. And he says, And it's true and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, you abide in him. There's this first call to abide in Christ. He says, 28, now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Now look what John is saying here. He's saying, look, there will be a day when Jesus Christ will come. And as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, everyone will be there at this seat of Christ where everything will be revealed what we have done, and we will be rewarded according to what we have done. And John is saying, when the day comes, you don't want to be the one who is shrinking away from Christ because your life has not represented your calling. You were saved, but yet at the same time, you did not abide, or you you abided in Christ, but you forgot the love of the father you forgot who you are and what has been done for you and you live the life of disobedience and this is where i believe that john speaks and says look if you truly are the child of god if you have been born again you will practice righteousness and how are you to practice i'm going to give you in the first three verses so this is where i want to take you again today if you want to to live a life of righteousness, if you want to live up to the calling, if you want to obey his commandments, your first action is going to be to go and remind yourself of the love of the Father that was revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. Delight in that love. Treasure. Enjoy that. Abide in Christ in this way and it will be an empowerment for you to obey let me show you that through our text take a look at our verse first verse where he says see how great a love the father has bestowed on us brothers and sisters this is the only command the only imperative in this whole passage from chapter 3 verse 1 all the way down to verse 11 the only command to look behold behold See how great the love of the Father is that He bestowed on us, that He granted us with, for us to be called children of God. There is no greater love. There's no greater love. The magnitude of this love is just unfathomable. We cannot even comprehend that we, being sinners, creatures who have rebelled against God, against the Father, who we have loved, anything and everything in this world other than him and his son, he saved us, he regenerated us, he just poured his love to so such a degree upon us that we get to be called his children. It is difficult to comprehend that. It's not speaking about children of God as Apostle Paul, for example, spoke in ch- chapter 17 of Acts where we're all in some little way children of God because we were created by God. This is a very unique familial relationship. This is God the Father says, these rejects, these people who have disobeyed, I am going to bring them into my family. I am going to treat them like I treat my son. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to give them inheritance, like, I, like the, the inheritance that my son has. This is something that we cannot even comprehend. I hope today, brother and sister, that you do not think of your life as a life where you just aim to be a little bit better tomorrow than you are today. I hope your Christianity is not about that, that, hey, I just want to be a little bit more holy. I hope you're not just spinning wheels and trying to do everything maybe that the church encourages you to do that you hear from the pulpit i hope this is not your motivating factor i hope your motivating factor is first and foremost that i am the child of god and this is the amazing love that god has bestowed upon me for me to be called the child of god think about this our god is love that is his nature he's described in many ways but one one is love and he out of his nature he just gives he implants life into you and me in order for us to be children of God, in order for us to be part of his family. Alec just read from Romans 8, 16. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit inside testifies that we are children. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In Revelation 21, 7 says... He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is important. In First Peter, we read about the inheritance. He says, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. My friends, the fact that we can be called children of God and be children of God is mind-boggling. To me, it is mind-boggling. It says that we not only are called, John says, and such we are, you know, there's a difference from you put it being having a label of the Son of God versus you being a child of Son of God. Take a look at verse two twenty-nine. If you know that He's righteous, you know that everyone who is practices righteousness is born of Him. The regeneration, the new birth, it is not a label that is stuck that He is now a Son of God and He's to be treated like the Son of God. Okay. Born of God, that means you are actually been born. You have the nature, like you fathers and you mothers, out of you came a child, and the child carries the nature, your nature, your sinful nature a lot of times. In the same way that we were born of God, take a look at verse 3.9. No one who's born of God practices sin, speaking what I believe is the, new nature, this perfect man who has been born and is inside of you because his seed abides in him. His seed, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. It is wonderful because you, brother, you, sister, you carry the seed of God himself. You carry the nature of God. Second Peter 1.4 says, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, corruption that is in this world by lust. You have are partakers of the divine nature. I want to remind you, fathers and mothers, of your own children. You know, when we look at kids, what do we say usually? Oh, he looks just like his dad, right? Or he's resembling his mom so much. Oh, that jest is like, just like his father's jesting, right? He just, he just, you look at him, he's just like him a lot of times. He reminds you of the father. In the same way, we, as new creation, we children of God, we reflect the nature of God himself. Isn't that amazing? Let me show you another passage. Take a look at, flip your page to chapter 4. In verse 11, it says this. 411, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, the first time you may have read it, you say, what does not being able to see God have to, anything to do with love. Look at it. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What John is saying is that, look, you have never set your eyes on God, Jesus Christ. You have never seen God the Father with your eyes, right? Now, How do you see him? Well, if your love, if the love of the Father abides in you, when I see you, who do I see? I see the Father. I see God in you because the nature of God is in you. And that is the beauty, brothers and sisters, that we, being children of God, who are not, I'll give you another example, just adopted children as we know of in the human society. Think about it this way when you adopt a child, you raise him, especially when he already knew that he is adopted, right? And you tell him, What are you going to tell him? You are like my son. I raised you from the time you were a baby. You are like my son. I love you so much. You are like my son. You notice that? I treat you as a son. You are my adopted son. But here, you have been born. We have been born. Of God. We carry His nature. That is so much more superior than even just simple adoption as we think of in the human terms. It is beautiful to know that we are children of God. Notice that. Notice that the Apostle John is not hammering you and saying, Listen, you got to test your deeds, you got to check it out what you do. And if you are not, if you're making too many sins, you must not be the child of God. This is not his approach. What he says is this, do you believe in the truth? Do you hold on, do you abide in the things that you have been taught in verse, verse 26, 27? If you abide in this truth, remember, you are the son of God. You have been born again. So that is extremely important in order for us to love to understand and just delight in the magnitude, to see the magnitude of the Father's love that He has shown us in the fact that we get to be called His children. It leads us to second observation here. It says, And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Your relationship with the Father... And his son, your fellowship, it is so supernatural. And it's so such a mysterious relationship that the world and people in the world, when they look at you, they can't see it. They can't understand it. In fact, they reject it. They don't want it. And they reject you. It says, the world does not know us. It does not understand it. The world may ridicule you. Make fun of you. He says, well, he keeps talking about this Jesus thing. He te- keeps talking about God and everything. He can't do half the things that we do. He, he does this unique stuff. I'm not even sure why he loves this. Is these people. He doesn't hate. He doesn't curse. He doesn't, you know, he professes some things. They can't understand that you are a new creation. You have been regenerate and you are a child of God. They don't understand it. John says, don't be upset be encouraged in that be encouraged i want to remind you of jesus christ remember when he came to earth Same apostle john writes in john of gospel of john chapter one and he says there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and those who were His own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those who have believed, if you have believed in the Son of God, you have been given the privilege by Jesus Christ, to be called child of God. And you have been born again. Glorious, glorious truth, brothers and sisters. And this is what John says, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. He later says in 3, 12, 13, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Remember what I told you. For in the world, there's only the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Is not from the Father, but it's from the world. That is why they don't get you, because they don't have the life of the Father in them. They have never come to know you, and they do not understand you, and they will reject you. But you, you be encouraged in that, because this signifies you that you are truly the Son of God. So when you are ridiculed, when you are rejected, when you are made fun of and mocked, be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Take a look at verse 3. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Now we're the children of God, and it has not appeared what we will be. Now, some of you may have heard an opinion that, hey, it speaks of this lack of assurance. You're the child of God, but you're not really sure whether you will be the child of God or not. No, no, no. That's not what John is saying. You are now the child of God. What you're going to look like and what are you going to be without your flesh and without your sinful flesh that just always hangs on to you and always prevents you from walking in righteousness and seeing the glory of God, that is going to be gone away with. What you're going to be without this earthly, temporary dwelling that you have, you don't know yet. You can only imagine. Right? You can only imagine, we can think, I can only imagine when I wake up in the morning and I have full desire to work for the Lord and His glory without any hint of laziness. Can you think of that? I want to live for Him and I want to search for His will without any hindrance of sin that just pulls me, pulls me all the time. Isn't that what we wonder? So we don't know what it will be, but we earn. We earn for that. This is extremely important, that when you have this, that you remind yourself of your identity. Remind yourself that you are the child of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this once, I do feel that this is perhaps the greatest weakness of all in the Christian church, that we fail to realize what we are or who we are. We spend our time arguing about the implications of the Christian truth or the application of this, that, and the other. But the central thing is to realize what the Christian is. He later goes on and he would say that our failure to see ourselves as the child of God now on the way to this glorious state is the source of all of our complaints and unhappiness. Brothers and sisters, are you struggling because you are dealing with personal fight inside? You are depressed because you have failed again in this sin and that sin. And you want to strive to be holy. You want to be like Christ and you fail here and there. Are you feeling, complaining about this, is this is where you are. Remind yourself of this truth that you are the child of God. Now you may say, well, Mike, but this is, isn't this, will this not lead you to be arrogant and continue in sin? Will this not want you to be just not care the fact that you sin more? Because you are so secure in being the child of God? And the answer is no. And the Bible shows that over and over that you, when you remind yourself that you are the child of God, you are the brother of Christ Christ. And the, Jesus Christ has paid it all and you are his and you remind yourself of the gospel of who you are in Christ. And all of the blessings that you have, it stimulates you, it empowers you, it enables you to walk in righteousness. It wants you with the heart of gratitude you want to live out your righteousness, your new self for him and his glory. That is the true approach that scripture gives. It never hammers you and says, if you don't do this, I'm gonna spank you. If you do this, good boy. You know, it's it it begins always with the truth. It always begins with the indicatives of what you have in Christ and it motivates you in order to walk for him for what he has done for you. He says, we and it has not appeared as yet what we will be one preacher said this a child of God is here and now indeed like a diamond that is crystal white within but is still uncut and shows no brilliant flashes from reflected facets have you ever seen a diamond the raw diamond that is found in the earth there's nothing spectacular about it you can have a big old piece of rock of diamond It may shine a little bit you can kind of see some shine to it but when you put hundreds of these cuts and you take all of this outside when you look at it and the light just shines on it it reflects it makes you almost blind right some of you ladies carry rocks like that and this is what this is what it's in a great example. This is what we may look like now. We being in our flesh, we being still carrying this corrupted flesh, we being inhibited by sin, we do not reflect the image of son, his son to the fullest. But they will come when we will be perfect. We will be pure as he is pure it says. notice that there is a significant shift you know we delight in the love of the father because the father is so loving that he bestowed on us and allowed us to become children of his and here there's a shift that you and i are to look at jesus christ himself remember john 14 it says this jesus said to Philip, he says, Lord, show us. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, have I, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? You may wonder, why is it that Apostle John shifts this Focus from the father to the son because the son represents the father the son just reflects the father and allows us to know the father to the fullest extent because he and the father are one this is where the Lord is leading us to this purity to this perfection and Paul wrote as this that those whom he foreknew He predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son. This is our destiny. This is where we're going. We are becoming a little more like Christ here on earth. But we, I'll tell you, we're going to be still like a raw diamond. Maybe shining a little bit more. But once we are glorified, once we're in glory. Those he who justified, those he who justified, he also glorified. In Romans chapter 8 verse 30. Once we're in glory, we will be fully like His Son, Jesus Christ. It says, when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. The work that the Lord has become will be completed. He who began a good work in Philippians 1.6, He will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you looking forward to this? That you will have the nature of God and you will look like Christ. Now, you may say, well, it's speaking about, this passage speaking about specifically maybe that you're going to look like Christ. As Christ is in his glorified body, so you will be in the glorified body. But I think the main emphasis here is on the purity. You see, on your sinlessness, on your holiness, just like Jesus Christ is holy, and this is how we will be. Now take a look at verse 3. So far, we have seen that for you to behold the love of the Father, you must recognize its magnitude in the way that he is able to call you child. We have seen that you are to be encouraged by the world's rejection you are to remind yourself of the identity, of your identity as the child of God. And you are to await your glorious destiny of becoming as pure and look as he is without sin. And look at this. In verse 3 it says this, And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just he as he is pure you can see that there's an active state you may say well how can i purify myself isn't god who purifies me isn't that one he who actually makes me holy if we're speaking of this as the process of sanctification isn't that he who does it yes he is doing that yeah and you can't do a thing about it without him he's doing the transformation But there is, John says, that there is an active role. You are a full participant in the sanctification process. How does this occur? How does this happen? And John says that if you truly hold on to the hope that I just described in verse 2, you are being cleansed, you're being purified. You are purifying yourself. Meaning if you take what is given to you and you by faith accept it and you said, yes, yes, I know that I am the child of God. I know how great the love of the father is that he gets to call me his child. I know that he's the one who, um, that I am his. I know that I'm destined for eternal glory in the presence of God himself. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That there's life only is in him and he's going to return. He's going to return as king of kings and Lord of lords and he will judge this earth and he will gather his. I believe that I'm going to be with him in glory. I believe that I will see him face to face and I will be become like him. I believe. You see that there's a lot of I believe, I know, I I totally agree with it. When you accept that by faith, you know that you are purifying yourself. You are making yourself able to do the righteousness. You're You're making yourself able to fulfill the commands of God. This is how God works. This is how he does so. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in fear of God. That's our participation. God does that. We participate in this. 2 Corinthians 3:18, it says this. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Look, we no longer having the veil over our eyes, being able to see Jesus Christ for who He is, and we watching Him, we observing Him, and we believe who He truly is in His glory how good and precious and kind and loving and how He's everything, He's life to me, He is my. He is my forgiveness, he is my salvation, and if I dwell on him and I see him and I and I see who he is to me, I am turning from one level of glory to another, all the way to eternity. By this hope, fixed on Christ, we're purifying ourselves. This leads to cleansing of all filthiness This leads to a life that is no longer desires, sin. This leads to life that just loves the Lord, abides in Him, dwells in Him. It's a joyful fellowship with the Father and the Son. When we just look, observe, love it, enjoy it, eat it, you know, all these terminology, know it, dwell on it, abide in it, all of these things, when we do so, we're being purified. We're being purified. And then you get to verse 4. And then you continue and you may say, well, how? How is it that I do the righteousness? But can you just give me the practical things, yes and no? What is it that I need to do? What is it that I can't do so that I could be a little more holy? And the Bible says, no. Just first look at the love of the Father as he revealed it through his Son. And look at his Son and just enjoy him and love him, and you'll be purified through that. So as a summary, beholding the love of the Father, it involves seeing the magnitude of the Father's love. It is being encouraged by the world's rejection. You are reminded of yourself as your identity as a child of God. You're awaiting your glorious destiny and you're purifying yourself with the hope that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you are staying away from a life of just in reverse. A life where just you're constantly working on the carriage that I need to do A, B, and C, and D, and I will be holy. It is good. It is good because there are many commands, but you are never called to approach to your carriage before you approach the horse, right? You're never called to just do a list of do's and don'ts. You're called to remind yourself on who you are and what you have in the Father, his love, and in his Son, Jesus Christ. And I hope that you walk away home just delighting in him, delighting in what you have in him, and may that stir you up to good deeds, to righteousness, to obedience, and to the love of our God. Please pray with me. Father, we praise you. We thank you we will worship you forever and your son jesus christ and the holy spirit we will have this fellowship and we cannot wait till we have it in heaven and a new heaven and a new earth where we will not be inhibited we will not be stopped in any way by our sin and our fleshly nature lord but we look forward to having this purity as your son to have this image of your son as he's pure for us to be that pure lord may it be the stimulant the empowerment for us to go and love to obey your commandments to practice righteousness bless us in that we pray in name of jesus amen